Thanks for joining us. This is the Ancient Health Podcast. My name is Courtney, and today's guest is Chef James Berry. He is a culinary expert and the founder of Eat Pluck Seasonings. Now, these are a little bit different than your everyday seasonings because he infuses organ meats with herbs and spices. Now, if you're a little bit taken back and thinking organ meats are not my thing, I challenge you to listen through to the end because he's an excellent teacher and he's going to break down why organ meats should be incorporated into our meals what the nutritional benefits are. It's incredible. I learned so much from this podcast and I can tell you, I've actually been using these seasonings for the last several months. Even the kids are eating it. I know it's crazy, but they don't taste like what you think and they're incredibly nutrient dense. So he has graciously given us a discount code. So if you are interested in these products, make sure you listen through. But if you use health Institute in all caps at eatpluck.com, you will be able to try these seasonings for yourself take it from me. They're amazing. They taste incredible and your whole family will love them. There's no doubt about it. So without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation. All right. Thanks for joining us again to the ancient health podcast. My name is Courtney and I'm here with James Barry. He is a professional chef, the founder of eat pluck and has authored several books as well and recipe guides and has really just transformed and the idea of consuming organ meats and made it more successful, made it not successful, accessible for so many people. So I'm so thrilled to have you here on the episode. If you are already like, oh, I do not do organ meats, <laughs> give this a chance. Listen to this episode because I am sure that James is going to change your opinion and perspective of what organ meats can do for your health. So thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to hear from you. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored to be on this podcast. It's just, you, you're all doing such amazing work. So thank you for what you do. Yeah. I was, uh, I, we were talking pre-show and I was telling him that I actually heard you on another podcast. And I was like, we have got to get him on because yeah. I just love, and I was actually familiar with your product before, but when I heard you speak about how you developed, like how you even came about, you know, using organ meats, cooking with them, and the significance it's played in your own home in terms of you know bettering your health for your family, I just knew that you were a perfect fit and your message would resonate with so many of our listeners. So let's just, I'll pause. I'm not going to talk the whole time, but I want to give you a chance to give everybody uh, just an idea of who you are, what you're all about. You just have so much experience in the culinary space. So maybe bring us up to speed as to where you've been, where you're going, what Pluck is all about, and, uh, and we'll just roll from there. That sounds great. So I kind of fell in love with cooking at like seven. I was about seven and I learned how to scramble an egg and I was just sold. But yet for some reason as a kid, I just didn't see it as a career. I was like, oh, this is something, you know, you have to own a restaurant, you have to work at night and I'm a family man. This is me at 12 saying I'm a family man. So <laughs> I don't know where I got that, but I just put cooking as kind of like in the backdrop. I was like, okay, I'll just do it as a hobby. And then 9-11 happened, you know, our generation's uh, Pearl Harbor, you know, and it was like, wow, uh, life is potentially short, life is precious. And, and I just kind of audited my life. And I was like, okay, what in my life am I doing that doesn't have heart? Like, that is not truly my passion, my mission. And I identified a couple things. And I was like, okay, what should I be doing instead? And I was like, well, cooking, I've always loved it as a kid. So let me look into this. And I found a school in New York that specialized in kind of just a, a different slant of cooking. It wasn't just about training people for restaurants. It was like, if anything, they kind of trained people to be more private chefs and to work with 
people to help improve their health. And so I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. The way I was different as a chef is I was like, okay, I think if I can make comfort foods healthier, I'm going to move the needle for people more because the truth is we all gravitate towards comfort food. When things go wrong in our life, when we have a hard day, when things go sideways, where do we go? It's always comfort foods, but yet they're not healthy. So if I can get those to be healthy and make those still delicious, then maybe I'm onto something. And so that's kind of how I came into being a chef. And I immediately started working with some celebrities and I just, but I immediately kind of got known for that. I got known for helping people with their diets, helping people to achieve their, their, their kind of health goals, but not sacrificing flavor and not, and not making them want for, you know, feel like they're being deprived. I mean, that's like the conundrum for every mother because <laughs> <laughs> when you have kids, and you are like so determined to make your family nutritious foods. And then everybody sits down around the table and then they just look at their plate with utter disgust. There's nothing worse. <laughs> There's nothing that can make me more frustrated. So I think I'm trying to do everybody a favor by keeping your bodies healthy. Thank you for the, for <laughs> the unnecessary and unhelpful feedback. I want to tell your listeners right now that if it, I, my hope for this episode is that when you end this episode, you feel like you have a new tool in your tool chest, because I am all about making it easier for parents, not harder. And I think as you, as we go through, get, you know, pluck and just the history, and I have so much support and value to add to your audience in terms of just making it easier because it really should, like, it's already hard enough being a parent. And, you know, we were talking earlier and you have now three kids. And you're outnumbered as parents. And so I just, you know, anyone with even from one kid on, I just bow to you because I have two kids as well. And it's not easy. So let's all like pat ourselves on the back first of all, and just honor that we've uh, kind of taken on the challenging road. You know, we, yeah. we've accepted the life's biggest challenge, which is having a child. <laughs> it's true. Take a moment for all the parents and caregivers out there because yeah. we totally deserve it. Yeah. So Let's talk about organ meats because I, for one, love organ meats. I really haven't known a lot about it until more recently, but I, it was actually during my pregnancy and I, you know, there's a lot of prenatals that are out there and some of them are much better than others, but I found that I tolerated an organ supplement the best um, because you know, your body just like hormonally going through stuff. And there was just a lot that I just felt like just did not fit with the way that I felt. I was like, I just can't take this. I just don't feel very good. But organ supplementing was by far the one thing that I felt like, man, I feel really good. So what is it about organ meats that is, are so nutritious that our bodies just crave? Yeah, I think it's fascinating because I, I, so I call organ meats, mother nature's multivitamin. Really, that's coming from all the different nutrients that are in organ meats. And they're just there. They're there for the taking, you know, and yet majority of us in America do not eat them. I think it's something like 95% of Americans are nutrient deficient. And yet we're clearly not calorie deficient. So, so that's something that's really important to remember. It's not like we're in some third world country and don't have enough food. We have plenty of food. And we're, if anything, we're overeating the food. It's the, it's what's key is that we're eating the wrong types of food. So for my money, uh, eating more nose to tail, getting to those organs is going to be better. And so the big question becomes is why, like what's in organs that's going to move the needle. I almost like 
asking the question, well, what's not in organs? Because there's so much in the organs. They're an excellent source of quality protein, first of all. They have an abundance of vitamins and minerals like vitamins A, vitamins B. And I'm not just talking one vitamin B, I'm talking all the B vitamins, particularly B12. Uh, it has vitamins C, D, E, and K in the form of K2, which is a nutrient that was previously known as activator X. So it's a really important one. It's known for its ability to activate bone development, which is obviously key with when you're trying to birth a child or to co-create a child, right? It's essential minerals. It has essential minerals like iron, calcium, copper, magnesium, selenium, phosphorus, potassium, zinc. And if you notice anyone that's been on prenatals, you probably noticed I mentioned pretty much everything that's in a prenatal, right? So it really is, it's mother nature's prenatal, it's mother nature's multivitamin, whatever name you want to use, but it's all in there. And it's what's really cool too, because you kind of can't talk about what's in organ meat with all, without, without also saying how absorbable it is. And so these are not synthetic vitamins. Synthetic vitamins, our bodies sometimes don't know what to do with. So sometimes our bodies absorb too much of a synthetic vitamin. Sometimes it doesn't absorb anything. When it's coming from a whole food, the body is in sync with that and the body can actually absorb it. So the body is going to take in whatever it needs and whatever it doesn't need, it will pee out or extract out, ex extract out. It's really key that it's coming from a whole food source and just as important as what's in it is, is that fact. That's a really good point to make because there are a lot of people out there that are really just throwing things against the wall to see if they stick when it comes to supplementation, because we hear, oh, we'll get your vitamin D, make sure you're taking a vitamin D supplement, or, you know, if you're sick, make sure you're taking zinc and we're overloading and overdosing. We don't really know. We don't know like how much we're supposed to be taking. We don't know what forms we're getting it in. We don't know what kind of methylation we personally have like genetically. So are we even getting the right forms or is this just going in our body and our body can't do anything with it because it's not in, in a form that our genetics predispose us to utilize. So there's, there are all these, these components and variables that are it's like we're in the dark. And so we don't know if yeah. it's going to help or not. And, and I love the approach of using whole foods. Like we're using, you know, eating nose to tail and we're getting all of the nutrients in forms that our bodies recognize, know, and can use, and they're in the appropriate balance. Exactly what you said is there's certain um, vitamins and minerals that are complementary, And if you're not eating them together, they're not going to be as, a, as absorbable. And that's, exactly why I love real whole foods, because it's like, they are as nature intended. So if, if there's iron, there's also magnesium, and that's going to support the absorption of the iron, you know what I mean? It, it's like, they are complementary, they are synergistic, and it's all there. there. There's no needed, like, there's no need to add any other human element to it. It's, it's there for the taking. And yet, we're not utilizing them. It's like, what is going on? We're, you know, you know, this is what's fascinating about organ meats. So when they're processed at the meat processing level, most of the organs, the ranch doesn't even get like they're designated as not for human consumption. So here are these amazing vitamins and minerals that are completely bioavailable. And we are not even sold them. We're not even provided them. They go to like dog food or to zoos. They go to other, other industry. And you just got to wonder, it's like, well, why? And yet we're then turning around and spending so much money on supplements. It's like, but we just, you just, we just like got rid of the thing that would enable us to not eat that supplement.
or need that supplement. You know what I mean? So to me, it's just like, we're just throwing money away. And what's sad too, is that we're one of the only countries that don't eat organ meat. Like, so you can go around the world. And I love, actually, you want to play a little game? This is kind of fun. Are you, are you open to this? Oh okay, let's, <laughs> well, let's see. My best shot. Okay, let's see how your knowledge is of world cuisine and which organs go to which country, okay, or what food. So every if you go around the world, there's cuisines that already have organ, organ meats built into the, the national cuisine. So what country is menudo? Menudo uses beef stomach and it's made into like a soup. What country would you guess? And it, I, I'm kind of like testing your age because there was a band back in the day in the 80s that was named Menudo and they were all from this country. Uh, okay, I'm going to just totally take a wild guess. Like, would it be like somewhere in South America? Like, it's a really good guess. It's Mexico, though. Really good guess. Okay, I was gonna, I, I was gonna maybe say Mexico, but I was like, I'm, I'll generalize it more and just go broad. <laughs> but you know, so yeah, but so okay. they, so this is a soup that's a national soup, and it's called menudo, and it uses beef stomach, which is also called tripe. So it's built into the national, the, the national food, and that kind of also walks us into well, what is organ meat really? Um, like, and basically, it's every part of the animal except for the bone and the muscle meat. So it includes the things I mentioned, like stomach lining, intestines, includes like the feet. It includes all the typical things we associate with organs like heart, liver, kidney, spleen, those kind of things. And then it includes like bone marrow. That would be and blood. You know what I mean? Those are considered awful as well. So what about glands? So, cause we, I, you know, yeah. oftentimes use glandulars for people, you know, in traditional Chinese medicine, we always talk about deficiencies with different organ systems. And sometimes you can nourish, you know, a certain gland with consuming that, that gland from another, you know, whether it's bovine or something like that, but, um, you know, where does that fall? Are those also considered organ meats? Absolutely. So they, they, those are also part of the organ or awful family. Um, and actually I love that you just brought this up. So this is a, this is an idea basically called like supports like, and it, you totally see it in Eastern medicine all the time, but, but it, it, it's an ancestral concept, you know, and native Americans used to think like this as well. I think it's absolutely true. And it makes sense if you really break it down. But like, the idea is that if I eat liver, it's going to support my liver. If I eat heart, it's going to support my heart. So whatever the part of the animal you're eating, that's going to support that part in yourself. And if you think about it, that completely makes sense because for example, heart in a cow is twice as rich in B12 than muscle meat. It's a great source of coenzyme Q10, CoQ10, which is an anti-fatigue, anti-aging nutrient that also protects against cardiovascular disease and infertility and even mitochondrial dysfunction. So this is an element, this CoQ10 is specifically in heart and it directly supports your own heart health. Yeah, I've heard that. That's so incredible. The design of our bodies always just continues to blow my mind because like that you can't you can't craft that any better. You know, we no. can't craft that in a lab and and make it any better than what nature is already providing for us. So is there is there a, a type of recommendation then or should somebody go about consuming organ meats more specifically or does it make more sense to have a little bit of everything to support multiple organ systems? 
Yeah, I, I, I love this question because it's it's really what we're really talking about is bioindividuality, right? We're all we're all human, but we're all slightly we have slightly different needs. And that's just dependent on, you know, environment, stress levels, sleep levels, and just your you know, your history with food, right? How how nutritious you are at this point. Um, and so that's kind of one of the reasons why I developed pluck is because I I really I'm not a huge advocate of like, well, you should just, just take the supplements, you know, and because most of those bottles will say six to eight capsules. And you're just like, well, but do you need six to eight? Like, which do you need six or eight? Or do you only need four? How is that company? How do they know what you need? Because you are specific, like when you're pregnant, you're going to probably need, need something completely different than when you're not. When you're menstruating, you're going to need something completely different than when you're not menstruating. You know, there are times and ages that affect what we need. I really do love the connection of the food to the body. And I use this as an example. When we take, when let's say we're, we're needing salt, you take your finger, you dip it in some really good sea salt or something like that you put in your mouth and you have an immediate connection of whether you want and need that salt, your body will like crave it. And you'll maybe only stick your finger in maybe a couple times. Maybe when you go in for the third time, it suddenly then tastes different. And you're like, Oh, now I don't need it. Like yeah. there's an immediate communication of like, want it. Now I don't want it. And that's not your brain. That's your body communicating to your brains, all your cells communicating to your brain. Like, nope, you're good now. You got enough. And it starts to even taste different. And that's because you're getting a direct connection between your taste buds, um, that immediate kind of communication of your gut to your brain. So I love using a product like what I developed that the, which is pluck, which is basically an organ based seasoning. So I'm taking these organs that we're talking about are so healthy for us and that we're not eating. I basically made it so you can easily get it into your diet. So you have liver, heart, kidney, spleen, and pancreas and pluck. And I'm basically using a freeze dried powdered form. That's very nutritious. It's kind of one of the more, it's the same form that all the supplement companies are using. And then I combined it with spices and herbs to make it palatable and make it really delicious. And so now you're sprinkling it on your food and you have a direct connection. So when it goes in your mouth, you get the taste, you get an immediate communication of like, oh, does this taste good? Do I want more of it? And what's fascinating is I find kids will dip their finger in pluck, just like I was describing salt, and they'll want to keep eating it and they won't want to stop. And that tells you everything that tells you like, oh, they need this nutrition. That's a really great point there because I didn't even think about the connection. We talk a lot about food as medicine. And so consuming foods, like there really is something unique about sitting down and having a meal and being truly present in, in that moment to receive that meal, you know, because if we're on the road and we're slugging down supplements and smoothies and things like that, while we're taking conference calls and kids are screaming in the back, like, there's no way that you can have any self-awareness to realize like, am I getting what I need? You're just like trying to survive. And so I think that there's a very important piece that you mentioned there about really consuming them as a part of your food and not even looking at it as something that's just another pill you're going to swallow. I mean, I think that that's one way that you can get it, but it's also, I think you've bridged the gap. It's just not easy to find organ meats, like not in this country because it's not a part of our culture. So you've made it more accessible 
And maybe we can even talk about that too. Like, because I think that that's important to realize, like you said, other countries are eating nose to tail. We're, we, we don't, we're like, we'll take the filet mignon, the, you know, pulled pork and whatever else, but we leave everything else. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's something that should be discarded. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I did a lot of research on kind of the history. Cause that was really when I was developing pluck and, and just as a chef and I was kind of acknowledging like, okay, what is the most nutrient dense foods? And I was like, well, organ meats and you can even do a search and you'll find you'll find that when you read the graphs that show you all the most most nutrient dense foods and i think actually dr josh axe has one of those graphs and on one of those graphs and if it's a good graph and i'm pretty sure his is like this it will show beef liver and it's like beef liver blows everything out of the water usually they're comparing it to like kale to apples to blueberries to salmon to beef uh muscle meat um and it's like beef liver literally blows everything out of the water. And so you're like, okay, this is the most nutrient dense food. So now how do I make it so that I can deal with these pain points that I identified? So one is like that ick taste. And what's fascinating about the taste, the associated taste is that I've talked to people that have never tried organ meat and yet they still think it's going to be icky. So they haven't even tried it and they're already associating it as being icky. I find that really fascinating because you yeah. won't, you don't do that with dessert. You don't go like, oh, I've never had tiramisu. That, that just, no, I can't eat cake. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, no one would do that. Everyone would be like, oh, it's a dessert. Let me try it. Like I'm open to trying it. Right. There's a, this automatic openness when it's sugar related, but yet because it's an, I don't know, because it's an organ, maybe it's, there's a, there's a bias. I don't know. But so that's definitely a pain point is the taste. And then you identified the other one, which is sourcing. And then the third is culinary knowledge. Like, how do I cook it? What do I do with it? Right. So I was like, if I can solve those three, then we're on to something. Now I can make getting this most nutrient dense food on the planet into your diet easily and hopefully deliciously. So that was kind of my goal. One of the reasons, like we were just talking about the capsules versus real food. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to make it into a food application it's because of, I feel like capsules bypass ex- that connection, that communication connection we were just talking about. Because when you take a capsule, it, you don't taste it. It bypasses your taste buds and it goes right, basically right to your stomach and then starts to get processed, right? So you're completely, you don't have that communication. And if you do, if there is any communication, you know, basically your colon or your stomach to your brain, it's much later. It's way after you've taken it. And then you're like, oh, you might feel nauseous or something. You don't know. You, you yeah. know you, and then by then you don't even know what caused it. Right. So it's not an immediate connection if there is even a connection. So right. that's why I was like, okay, I want it to be a food application. And then the other thing I really wanted was I wanted it to be something that did not require a new habit. I wanted it to be something that we already do every day because I identified that that was the other hurdle is these, we, we're getting bombarded with all these health things every day. Like here's the, brand new, like, you know, uh, electric pulsator that's going to pulse, you know, electrons through your body, you know, or now you're supposed to run for only 25 minutes instead of an hour. Or now you're supposed to drink, you know, 10 glasses of water versus eight, you know, that you're just constantly been bombarded with all this new information around health. And I was like that to me, it's not a, a blueprint for success because the truth is like when COVID hit, what happened? All these health things that everyone is doing, they all went out the window and we, and we gravitated towards all our addictions. You know, we gravitated towards sugar things, bread things, starchy things, and alcohol basically. And then of course, drugs as well, other drugs. So 
those sales all went up when the emotions got high. So that tells me that those health paradigms are not working if we don't do them when, when we're in intense environments and we're still not willing to do that health paradigm, then that's not working in my judgment. So yeah, that I was think, my focus. Yeah. You started Pluck in 2020. Is that right? Yeah, I know. Right in the middle of, that was fascinating actually, because I started it really right in the middle of, of, of a pandemic. And here's a food and no one has combined the food. Like we're the first people to combine or, or, you know, freeze dried powdered organ meats to organic spices and herbs. And so I couldn't get to stores. I, there was nowhere to display food so that I could get people to try it because of the, the pandemic. So here I had a new food that no one knew what it tasted like, and I couldn't get them to experience it. So I kind of had to get creative with the marketing, which, which we did. We, we, we definitely found a way to get it out there, but yeah, very fascinating kind of launching it during the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, kudos to you because I know from experience, you know, running any type of business, but trying to do it when there's a huge hurdle in that you're really bringing something that people don't have a lot of knowledge. And if anything, they probably have some type of skewed perception of what it's going to be. So now you have to convince them in their mind because we've just kind of been conditioned to think like, well, that's just, we just don't do that. We don't need that. And I don't even know too, like, I think some people are even afraid to cook with it because it's like, is it dirty? How do I cook it? Do I eat it raw? Does it need it? You know, it's like, how do you even know that you're doing it right? Are you going to get sick from it? I've even heard a lot of people that say, you know, oh, well, you can't have liver because liver is the detox organ. So you're going to consume something that's full of toxins. So maybe you can even speak to that because I think that's a big myth that can be busted too, that, you know, is completely untrue. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I love that you brought that up. Thank you. So uh, a common misconception is about liver and kidney conceptions that these organs act as a processing and storage site for toxins. So that's basically, like you said, that people look at it as a filter um, or not even a filter, just as a place where, yeah, it's filtering toxins, but then they also get stored there. And it's not correct. You do want to think of them. I think when someone is uh, thinking of it like that, they're thinking of it more as a sponge than a filter. It's not like that. So like basically the job of the organ is to process and convert potentially toxic byproducts into more water soluble forms so that it can be excreted through our sweat, through our poop, our pee. You know what I mean? Like that's basically what the organs are doing. So really where the, to- the toxins that are being filtered out don't get stored in that organ, because if you think about it, the organ is, it's, it's like kind of like a machine. Like you don't want, you don't want something, if a machine is working properly, you don't want it to be stored there. You're going to help, it's going to convert these toxins into the more water soluble form. And then it's going to push it either out of your body. And then here's the thing, if your elimination pathways are not clear and they're not working properly, then yes. It will get stored in your body, but it doesn't get stored in the organs. It gets stored in your fat. People, you know, going back to the, hey, we're an obese nation, like people that are really heavy. That is why a lot of times people that are really heavy have a lot of inflammation going. They have a lot of health issues because it's not just fat. It's actually toxins that are being stored in their body and they can't eliminate them. So not only are they heavier, which is a burden on your your health, but you're also stored. You have all these toxins in your body that are basically poisoning you. Yep. over time. So it's, it's a lose, lose, like when, when not only when you're obese, but also when you're eating foods that are toxic, that are, that are kind of more conventional, that are not um, being like, if it's animals, it's not being raised properly. You know, that's, that's one thing 
I should probably bring up right away is the sourcing of the organs is really key, right? So uh, to help to make it a healthy organ, you want to be getting it from healthy animals. And then the question is, well, what is a healthy animal? So typically that would mean it's 100% grass-fed. Now all cows are grass-fed, so you can't just look for grass-fed. You've also got to look for grass-finished. That's mm -hmm. really the only kind of distinguisher that's going to inform you that this is a cow that's been 100% grass-fed because that is what they're supposed to be eating. <laughs> they're not supposed to be eating other animals or sludge or, you know, sometimes the, the conventional um, industry will give the cows like off waste from candy factories, off waste from like meat processing plants. I mean, like just random stuff that cows would never eat in nature, never eat in nature. So you really want to kind of support that farm or ranch that's raising the cow as though it would be in nature that's humanely treating that cow well and and of course feeding that cow properly. Yeah, that's a really good point to make and if anybody's listening too, think about it, you know, if you're out to eat, this is like a, you know, pro tip hack, but there's something to be said here. You know, the muscle meats, right? We know, okay, there's great amino acids, protein complex, all of that. So that that can be super super helpful in from a nutritional standpoint for anybody. But when you're going out to eat and you're ordering something that's like a very fatty piece of meat, you know, whether it's like a ribeye or whatever it is, you're getting the toxins from that animal, which generally, if you're, you know, just out at any mainstream restaurant, like you're getting conventional meat. So you're getting all the toxicity, right? And what are those cows getting? They're getting corn, you know, likely GMO. They're getting all, you know, the soy. Yeah. The grass that they're eating probably has some type of contamination with glyphosate because that's everywhere. So yep. you're getting chemical contamination. You're getting food contamination because the food that they're getting is likely, you know, had some kind of uh, processing to it that now is creating an unhealthy animal. Excessive, and then excessive antibiotics as well, because a lot of the conventional cow industry uses antibiotic to increase the size of the animal. So really, yeah, all around, I completely agree. Like don't order the fatty cuts if you're eating out or, you know, sometimes <laughs> as weird as this may sound, it's like just have a salad if you're eating out, you know what I mean? Like, 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 well, that, this is the question. It's like, okay, I know health can be really expensive. Um, healthy foods can be really expensive. So it's like, for my money, I like to put it in the animal products. So if I had to make a choice, hopefully you don't have to make that choice. But if you do, and you're like, okay, I can only spend my money on either better animal products or organic produce. I personally would choose the animal products because yeah. that's where the, the, the real stuff, like if it's not clean, it's like you're, you're getting it all. Hey friends, since we've been talking about organ meats, we wanted to be sure you had a chance to get your hands on Eat Pluck Organ Seasoning. So if you use the code HEALTH INSTITUTE in all caps, you'll get 20% off your next Eat Pluck order. Now, this code is only good for 48 hours, so make sure you don't miss out on it. Eat Pluck is an incredible way to get organ meats into your diet without having to cook them. And if you're a parent and you have picky eaters, this is big for you. Chef James Berry has created seasonings with a special blend of organic spices, herbs, and nutrient-rich organs that will enhance the flavor of so many of your dishes. Pluck seasonings include five grass-fed, grass-finished organs like liver, kidney, heart, spleen, and pancreas. The best part is you'll never even taste them, nor will your kids. So simply add as you cook or my favorite way to sprinkle on your finished dish to turn any of your meals into a superfood dish. 
Make sure you grab that code when you check out and enjoy Eat Pluck. Let's pivot. I want to talk about your seasonings a little bit because they are incredibly tasty. They're really, really good. And I know that you have some great stories, especially when it comes to children, because they're, it can be really difficult. You know this as a parent to get your child to eat nutrient dense foods. They're just, I mean, I, we're, we're kind of, we come out of the gates with our backs against the wall because they're marketed to just as much as an adult is they're probably marketed more to because every restaurant you go to, there's a child's menu and it has chicken nuggets and pizza and a cheese quesadilla. And I'm looking at everything is brown and I'm like, everything has seed oils. Everything's brown. Like there's no nutrient density here. And that's what our children are, are expected. That's it's like, well, that's what fits them. So how do these seasonings, like, you know, as a parent, if you're thinking, oh gosh, I would love to try this, but I know if I cooked with it, my child probably refuse it. What has your experience been in using this for a family that, you know, multiple people with different taste preferences, you know, are, are going to experience? Well, I want to first say that I, I did not grow up eating organ meats. Like, and I didn't, even when I learned about organ meats in culinary school, I still didn't incorporate them. I had the biases, I had the hesitancy, just like you. I, I, am, I am, if anyone's listening to this and going like, oh, I just don't know if I can do it. Like, I'm you. Like, that's, that's, that was me. And so I recognize that exactly what you said. Like, I'm a parent now. I want to get the best food into my kids. I want to get the most nutrient-dense food. But here's the thing. I don't want to deal with the headache of picky eating. Like, I don't want to make my job as a parent harder. So that is exactly why I created Pluck. Because Pluck, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's freeze-dried powdered organ meats mixed with spices and herbs. So it's just a, it's a seasoning. You don't even have to tell your kid what's in it. It just tastes really good. So it's no different than like the Lowry's or they're all, per, you know, any kind of like Old Bay, whatever you're using on your food right now, salt, pepper. This is the same concept where it's shelf stable. You don't have to treat it any differently. You can keep it in your drawer or on your countertop. And you just, when you have your plated food, you just sprinkle it, sprinkle it on your food. And I promise you, don't even tell your kids that it's organ-based. And I, I promise you, they will eat it up. They will love it. And I have not met a kid yet that doesn't like it. They just love it. And then later on, if you want to tell them what it is, once they're already like over the bias, then go for it. But what's amazing about organ meats and, and getting them in this form is first of all, we deal with those hurdles. So A, you don't even need to know how to cook. Like you could have to-go food. Like we all have those days that go sideways and like you didn't meal plan and, and you're, you're off, you had a really busy day and you're like, ah, I don't have anything in the, in, in the refrigerator. What are we going to eat? Let's just get pizza. You know what I mean? Like we all have those days and you kind of feel bad as a parent. You're just like, oh man, like I, I'm not giving my kids that healthy food again, you know, whatever. You just kind of want to beat yourself up a little bit, or at least I do. And so what I do is I sprinkle pluck on the pizza and I'm like, yay, at least I feel a little bit better because now I'm getting organ meats into my kids and it makes the pizza taste even more delicious. And that's because of what's in organ meats. So organ meats have what's called the fifth unique taste. So our tastes that we associate are, are salty, sweet, sour, bitter. And there's a fifth that was identified in Japan, I think in the 80s. Um, it's called umami. And the best way to describe umami is savory. It's just got this kind of savory, salty thing. What's amazing about umami is it actually, it's because it's a unique flavor, it makes the other flavors taste better. 
that's kind of amazing as a home, you know, someone who's making their own food, because I get told this all the time from people that are using pluck. Like they were like, I didn't do anything different to the recipe than I normally do, except I added pluck. And that night my family freaked out. They wanted seconds. They kept saying, this is amazing. What did you do differently? And she's like, all I did was add pluck. And it's the same recipe I usually do every week. She's like, so you're right. It actually made it taste better. So that's one win right there, right? The kids want to eat more. But the other thing, and this is what is truly amazing, is it starts to change your kid's palate. So, you know, a lot of our kids, because they're getting so many sweet things, their palates skew towards being sweet. So as you start to remove sweet foods from their, their diet, their palate will start to change and they'll start to pick up on other flavors. And the umami and pluck actually will help to make your kids a more adventurous eater. And I got proof of this because I was, I was at a conference recently and this practitioner came up to me and said, I have a client who has a child who's basically has, is, who's on the spectrum slightly and they're extremely picky eater. And she's been struggling with her daughter forever in trying to get her to eat other foods that it would be healthier. And so I got her to start using pluck on the food that she was giving her daughter. And that has now been, she's doing, been doing it for weeks. And that's, she puts on everything her daughter eats. Her daughter loves it. Now her daughter is wanting to try new foods. Her daughter's actually getting more adventurous. How amazing is that, right? That's incredible. I mean, talk about a win as a parent, because there's nothing worse than trying to force something like taking something away from the child that when they're, they're, they're now conditioned to want to crave it, right? Like their gut even is different. They've got different microbes now that crave this sugar. So you're not just dealing with a child that, you know, has something taken away from them. And now they just have a bad attitude about it. Like, and, and they, they're, they're just not at a level of maturity to be able to handle that in an emotionally stable way you know, you're, you're able to now present something that can change the way that they see food, crave food, experience food. And then that's going to set them up for more nutrient dense food down the road because they're going to be more open to it. It's not that they get stuck. I've seen that all the time. It's like kids will eat three things. They're like, Oh, my kid only eats these, these couple things. Like, you know, it's macaroni noodles and you know, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, it's just, it's, it's so hard. And I get it because I understand like, <laughs> You, sometimes you just take the path of least resistance yes, because yeah. there's only so much bandwidth you have. Like I, you know, I fully understand that. So there's no shame in that. I get it. But it like this offers a different way of going about it because it's not going to be something that's an uphill battle for the parent. It's just introducing something else and allowing that to open the door for more possibilities down the road. Yes, absolutely. I've been a chef for over 17 years. And I recently kind of boiled down like, okay, what, what are the takeaways if I were to bring, you know, talk to people about what I learned in those 17 years about how to support and move the needle with someone's health? Like what, what could I boil, boil that down to? And you know what I came up with is the following. For health to become a lifestyle. So from health to move from just being a trend to just being like a little, like, like something you try to actually becoming a lifestyle, the food has got to embody two things. It's got to be easy, which is what we're talking about. It's got to be easy. And then it's got to be delicious. But if you hit those two things, you basically take whatever that health food or that health paradigm is, and you move it into like the Netflix of health, where you're basically like, 
just on on autopilot. It just becomes lifestyle. You don't even think about the cost. You're just like, oh yeah, this is so easy. It's so delicious. It's moving the health needle. We're in. You know, we're in two feet, two feet, two hands. You know what I mean? And that is what pluck is. It it really is the gateway to getting organ meats into your diet because it's so effortless and so delicious. But I really do. I would love to, if you're open to it, I would love to not stop there though. Cause I'm, I don't, I'm not just about promoting pluck. Like I really am trying to promote nose to tail. So I'd love to kind of give some tips on how to ease organ meats into the diet beyond pluck. Would, would that be okay? Yeah, I would love that. I I'll be honest. So I made chicken liver a couple of weeks ago. I shared this on Instagram and I just have to say it, I was able to tolerate it. I think I overcooked it, but then I, mm. I really was fully committed because I went out of my way to find this chicken liver from like a natural place that has this farm hookup, all the stuff. So I'm like, we're all doing it. Like I'm going to force everybody to have chicken liver with me. And the kids were like, what, what are you making? And so I realized like they were already like, like questioning what I was doing because it did not look normal. So I told them it was mushrooms, <laughs> which I don't know why, because they, they know what mushrooms are. My kids are not like super little. And then I told them the next day that it was liver and they almost died, but they did eat it. But they were just like, this is very strange. This doesn't taste like any mushroom I've ever had. <laughs> so I, for one, would love your thoughts on how to prepare liver, especially. And, and even like, okay, so that's my only experience. And then I'm not going to talk about myself and my... <laughs> my culinary inabilities, but, um, yeah, even like, where do you find something other than liver? I feel like that's the only one that I can probably have access to without having to like drive out to a farm. Yeah. Well, well, getting access to some of these organ meats is challenging. Um, there are ways to do it. So you can go online and there are some resources, uh, us wellness meats has a lot of options there. There's a bunch. You can even go to your local farmer's market. And if you go talk to the rancher, they'll most likely have at least liver available. They'll sometimes have the tongue, the beef tongue. They'll have, uh, they'll sometimes have uh, hearts um, and even kidneys. But finding other parts of the animal really are challenging. So the way to do that is you've got to do an animal share, basically like a, a CSA for animals. So it's basically where you're going to the ranch and, and, and you can do this when you're at the farmer's market, just ask them if they have a kind of an animal share program. Most of them do. And it's basically where you and other people are purchasing a quarter or a half of that animal. And a quarter of, let's say, a cow is a lot. Like, I, I want to stress people, like, you don't need much more than that. That is, that is going to provide a lot of meat. What you're doing is you're purchasing that animal at a kind of more wholesale price. So you're getting per pound, I think you end up getting it for something like six, six to $7 versus, or even $8 versus the 16 or more that you would find in a grocery store. So you're saving a good amount. In those circumstances, you can ask the farmer, say, hey, in my, in my fourth of a share, quarter share, can I have the organs? Can I have you know, the spleen? Can I have these parts? And usually they will be able to give it to you. And is there any risk in ever using these? Like, I think that maybe some people are think that we're just more comfortable with the stuff that we see on a grocery store shelf. And if it's coming from, a rancher and it's like, well, here you go. And it's, you know, frozen or whatever it is. It's, it, we almost think like, was there some other misstep of processing or cleaning or something like that, that needs to be done? Like, or, or are they generally safe? Cause I think that that was probably a fair concern for most people that are unfamiliar with handling these types of organs. 
Well, they're going to be as safe as the muscle meat. I mean, you know, like, cause when the meat pro when it's being processed, it's, it's usually has to be a, it's overseen by the USDA. It's, you know, it's a, it's a certified uh, meat processor, probably um, it, at least it should be. They have standards when they're butchering the whole animal, they're all, it's all getting processed at the same place. You know what I mean? So if one thing is contaminated, then that means the whole thing is contaminated, but that's Usually when it's, when it's a properly raised, properly fed cow, that's not going to be the issue. You, it's more when you have unhealthy animals that you have unhealthy product. That's, that's typically where, because if you think about it, when you're, on, when you're not thriving, when your body's not thriving, let's just say we were talking earlier about if you're severely overweight, well, you're probably someone who's getting sick more often, right? So when you're, your body's in a state of illness, let's say, or kind of chronic illness, then you're more susceptible to things around you, you know, whether it's viruses or colds or whatever it is. And the same is true for an animal. If they're being raised conventionally and they're not a healthy animal, then they're going to be more susceptible to these E. coli, to, the, to these, these issues that are going on that you see. But if anything, what's interesting is you find more of these issues in like produce. And it's because of the water waste and, and some of the soils that they're using to grow these produce most animal products are getting cooked and in the process of cooking it you're killing whatever else is in it you know that that needs to be that's typically how it's done but of course you always want to be careful one way you can prepare the organ meat is you can soak it you can soak it in lemon juice you can soak it in buttermilk and doing that you basically the lemon juice or even the buttermilk are slightly acidic um, and so they are helping to pull out any kind of the toxins that are in there. And so you can, you can soak it and usually you soak it for, I don't know, it depends on the size of the organ, but you can soak it for between 30 minutes and an hour. A lot of people swear by that. I personally have never noticed a change in the taste. Okay. Um, but so I don't always do it, particularly if I'm getting it from a healthy, healthy animal. But if you're concerned, I would just, I would soak it, just soak it in some lemon juice or buttermilk. That's Absolutely. a great tip. I've never heard of that before. So if I were easing you into organs, okay, this is how I would do it. This is kind of the, the way I would do what animals I would use and how I would do it. So step one is, or stage one is what we've already shared is pluck. Pluck is absolutely the gateway, like so easy, no brainer. You can sprinkle it on everything. I mean, even popcorn, you know, for family movie night, you can put it on popcorn. Your kids will love it. It's just so, so easy. Now you're getting those five organs, right? You're getting basically micro dosing, micro amounts of the nutrients. You're using it frequently and that's cumulative effect. So that's the power of pluck. But then stage two, I would recommend basically then buying like ground meat that already has organs in it. And Force of Nature has this product. They're usually called ancestral blends. That's usually what it is. Um, but even when you go to farmer's markets, a lot of times the, the farmer will have Black ink will be just the ground meat, but then the red ink will be the ancestral blend. So it means that they've blended like, let's say liver and heart into the ground meat. And they usually keep it to a very specific ratio. Like usually you'll find 20% or less. And when it's at that ratio, you can't taste it. Like you can make hamburgers with that ground meat and no one in your family will know that there's organ meats in it. So that's a really good step too, because it's once again, it's it, we, if we don't taste it, we don't think about it. And that's what I want for the, for this easing into organ meats. I want you to not even need to think about it, realize it doesn't, shouldn't have a different feel than what you normally would do. Okay. Now, third stage 
would be, okay, now that you're starting to get organ meats into diet, your family's starting to get these new nutrients, these better nutrients into their, their food, then I would take, take the plunge and purchase a beef liver. Now, when you buy that beef liver, it's going to be big, it's going to be frozen. But what you do is once you bring it home, hopefully it'll be a little bit defrosted so you can actually cut it. And then I want you to just cut it into like, you know, three to four parts, just make it a little bit more manageable because it's going to be so big, but then immediately put those parts into their own Ziploc and put them right back in your freezer. Cause I want it to be frozen. Cause when it's frozen, it's not as overwhelming. It's just a hunk of frozen thing. You know, you don't even have to think about it as liver. So then now you have it as, as a manageable size. And so then now the next time that you're making meatloaf, you're making anything with ground meat, spaghetti, bolognese, anything like that. I want you to pull out one of those frozen liver pieces and I want you to literally just grate it, grate it right into the ground meat and keep in mind that ratio we talked about earlier. So if it's, let's say a pound of meat, usually a pound has about 16 tablespoons and we want it to be around 25% or less. So I would do about three tablespoons of ground of grated liver. So keep, as long as you don't go to five tablespoons or more, no one will know it's there. Okay. So just keep it in that, that lower threshold of ratio. So now you've done, and then once you've graded it, put it right back in the freezer. Once again, it's not defrosted. You're not overwhelmed. You just pull it out whenever you have ground meats. And so you're just, all you're doing is basically creating a organ blend that you were per previously purchasing from like force of nature from your farmer. Right. So that's step three. Step four would be now let's go purchase some chicken hearts. And the reason why I'm specifically focusing on chicken heart is because chicken hearts are closer to a muscle, like the heart in general, even in, even in the cow, it's closer to muscle meat. And specifically with chicken, it's more, it's mild. It's not really strong tasting. And so, and kind of, you actually spoke to this, to your point, like you, you, you said it was mushrooms to your kids and really chicken hearts do kind of look like mushrooms a little bit. You know what I mean? They yeah. look like they could be, if, if someone wasn't really looking closely, you could get away and say it's a type of mushroom. And so what I recommend is just like when you're using mushrooms in a dish, you wouldn't use like 30 mushrooms unless it's a truly a mushroom dish, like a mushroom soup. But if it's just like you're adding a stir fry, right? You would probably only use like three mushrooms, if that, maybe even two. Yeah. And you would chop them up and you'd put them in the dish. Do the same thing with the chicken hearts. Only use like two or three, chop them up so they look just like diced mushroom and then add them to your stir fry. No one will know it's heart. Not a single person. They'll all wow. think it's mushroom. It will take on the flavor of that stir fry or whatever it is you're cooking. So that would be stage four. So now you're actually getting the organ meat into your diet and no one knows it's, it's what it is. And then the last one is now you're like, okay, now I'm ready for to actually make organ meats the, 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 the star of the show. It's going to be the main part of, of the dish. And what I would do is start with beef tongue. And the reason why I say beef tongue is because it's, it's so delicious and people just don't realize because they get so overwhelmed. So the tongue has this kind of sheath around it. That's it's like almost like a really thick leathery skin and it's kind of feels like sandpaper. So it's going to seem overwhelming just the shape of it, but just know like all you got to do is put it in like an instant pot or a slow cooker and you just got to like cook it for like an hour, boil it for an hour in some water 
And you can even add a bay leaf. You can add some onions. You can add some flavor if you want. But the key is you're just cooking it so that that skin, that kind of leathery skin on the outside becomes really soft. And once it becomes soft, you can lightly take a, you know, a, a knife and just kind of slit it a little bit. And then it peels right off. And what's underneath is this delicious muscle meat. And it almost looks kind of stringy. And it's the same thing as the chicken hearts where it takes on other flavors really easily. So that you'll see uh, beef tongue a lot at uh, Mexican taco places. It's called lengua. And it's delicious. You can even try it there for the first time just to see how delicious it is. But what's really cool about the beef tongue is that it's more nutritious than the muscle meat. It's flavorful. It's actually more better flavor than muscle meat. And here's the kicker. It's about three times cheaper. It's the same quality. Like, so you're buying still hundred percent grass fed. It's the same quality of muscle meat as the muscle meat. But whereas that ribeye costs you, you know, 24, you know, 16 to $24. The tongue costs you seven. It's amazing. And it's so delicious. And I can't, like, once you do this, like there's a recipe on Eat Pluck. So just go to eatpluck.com, go to the recipe section and look up uh, tongue tacos and you'll find the recipe. But I promise you, once you go tongue, you don't go back. (laughs) And once you, so once you peel it off and I mentioned you have that muscle meat, it's already been cooked. So now what you can do is you can basically either add it to some sauce and cook it a little bit more. Or what I like to do is I stick it, um, I shred it with a fork and then I, I season it with some, even just some salt or even, you know, or you could use spicy pluck if you're making tacos or you could use, um, what I like to do is I just use a little bit of salt. I stick it under the broiler and I crisp it up just like carnitas. And then after it, then I add it to the sauce, whatever that sauce I'm using, whether it's a salsa or anything. And then I add pluck. I like to make sure that I'm getting the maximum nutrients with pluck. And so I, I use it as a finishing salt versus cooking it with it. Cause when you cook anything and you're going to deplete the new, new, the nutrients in it, I, I, uh, we have Redmond's and pluck has Redmond's we use Redmond's. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of their company and you may, even though you're using pluck. So this is actually good for someone like yourself. Like I purposely kept the salt low and pluck because we all have different needs of how much sodium we, we want or, or, or need. So I kept it fairly low. So even people that put pluck on their dish, they might still put some more salt and that's, you know, don't feel shy about that because I purposely kind of kept it low. Absolutely. We use it. We use it as a, fin- I use it. Basically, I keep it on the table just like I would salt and pepper and we use it no differently. I kind of like that too. We, I've, I actually got like these little uh, kind of like marble stone, uh, like little basins and I'll put like coarse, uh, Celtic sea salt in there and I'll let, um, or I'll do one that's like more fine or, or whatever, but like the kids love being able to finish their own food with salt. I love that you said this cause you're right on. We're focusing on organ meats, but if I were to share tips around like, well, how do I deal with my kids and food and how, or how do I deal with picky eating? That's one of my main tips is like, is to give the control back to the kid when it comes to food, because a lot of times the food kind of specifics or the picky eating is all about control. It's not about it, whether the food is good or not. It's really about they're trying to control something in their life. And so they're, they can say yes or no to the food because, you know, they can be picky and say no, or only yes to certain foods. And that's them exerting their control. So I like to get my kids involved, like exactly what you said, like where 
I put seasonings or specific things on the table that I want them to eat. And I let them control how much they give themselves. And pluck is absolutely an example of that. Um, the other thing I do is like when I'm cooking, I involve them in the cooking because if they're cooking and chopping and they're helping with the actually making the meal, then now it's less kind of like mysterious. It's less like, well, what is that? It's like, oh, you, you know, you helped make it. You, you yeah. saw that that was a bell pepper. You saw that that was a carrot. Cause you know, when it's in, let's say a chili or something like that, you don't know what it is. Cause it's all diced and it's all combined, but if they help with the process of making it, they see it in its original state. So that's, well, that's one thing. And then I also get them involved in the meal planning. Like, so when we're figuring out what are we going to eat that week, I get them involved in that. Those three things, they really do help move the needle in terms of your child not being as picky, your child participating in the dinner time where you're not making a separate meal for them or something like that. Yeah. You know, get those kids, let, let them have some skin in the game. If they're helping you make, yeah. <laughs> make the meal, they're probably more likely to eat it. Cause they're like, you know what? I worked really hard to dice this carrot. I'm going to eat that carrot. <laughs> <laughs> so true. The things we do as parents is just so fascinating to me. I'm like, I never thought that these are the things I would be, you know, having conversations about or let alone even doing, but here we are. <laughs> so <laughs> doing the best. So true. So true. And, and just remember, you don't have to go all in, you know what I mean? And that's kind of why I give the easing in talk because, you know, and it's not either or too, like you can, let's say like, uh, let's say if you've heard this and you're like, oh, well, pluck sounds good. I want to have that just in my tool shed. So let's say you have that. Well, just because you then start eating chicken hearts doesn't mean you can't stop using pluck. Like you can still use it all and use it when it applies. But it, even like, like I was mentioning tongue, right? Let's just say, oh, that still overwhelms me. It's like, well, guess what? If you're already making carnitas, let's say, so you're making, you know, the pork butt or the pork shoulder, and you're making the pulled pork in your home, in your slow cooker or whatnot, well, add the tongue to it. So don't stop doing that. Just add the tongue. And then when you do the tongue and you pull out that muscle meat, like we talked about, combine it with the carnitas. So now no one's going to think that you're only eating tongue. You're combining it with something you are familiar with. So that to me is a form of just easing into it. That's a great point. I, and, and it's like what you brought up before, like force of nature. I think they use bison. Like they, they kind of have blends. I think that's like, that's a good bridge too. If you're like, well, I'm not quite at the place where I'm going to go find these or do a, a, a cow share or something like that yet. But there are companies out there that have these direct to your door, you can actually ship, you know, these frozen meats where they've actually already put some of the organ meat in there. And so you can kind of start to cook with it in a way that you're familiar with, but you're going to get the benefit of, you know, consuming the organ meat too. So I think that that's, that's, in, it's an incredible piece of that, that kind of learning journey. And we've talked about this, but I want to like kind of hammer it home as we kind of get closer to the end of this podcast. Like I, I really want to stress, like we are a nutrient deficient society. Like we are missing these nutrients in our diets. And so you cannot underestimate the power of getting these whole foods in your diet and how they may change your life and your, in your family's lives in ways that you have no idea right now. You cannot connect the dots before it's happened. And yep. so I gave that example of that child who's ex the, their palate expanded, you know, but I've ta I've talked to people who are like, I'm sleeping better. I've talked to people who said that my digestion's better. My energy is better. Like the power of organ meats and what the, how this will change your life is, is unmeasurable until you've done it and you have experienced it. If there's anything you leave from here is just to start to incorporate these things, ease into it, 
a little bit at a time and you'll see, you'll start to feel different because I really believe if I can get organ meats, no more nose to tell into people's diets, you'll feel better as a person. And when you feel better as a person, you'll start treating other people better. And so truly we can change the world by incorporating organ meats. That's, that's wholeheartedly what I believe. Man, let's go, James. I'm here for this. I love it so much. I, yeah, you know what? We're, we're all learning so much and I hope that this gets you excited for something new. My mission has always been from, from day one is to help people with their health. And here's, here's the thing is your norm. And I say you, meaning like anyone listening is probably not thriving yet. Like your norm is probably below average. That is the case for most of us. And I'm not trying to say that in a judgmental way. I really am not. I'm trying to say, you don't know yet how great you can feel. You don't know yet how amazing your body is. These little movements, these micro, the micro dosing of organ meats from pluck, or just these little movements towards eating these whole nutrient dense foods. It's truly life-changing. And once you experience the thriving, once you experience how good you can feel in your body, you'll, you'll understand, like, you'll, you'll just be like amazed. You'll be like, Oh my God, I had no idea. I had no idea I could feel this good because I felt so bad for so long that I thought that was my normal. And so I I truly want you to feel great because you should, the human body is amazing. It is a resilient powerhouse and we need to use, we need to take, we need to honor it more and we need to feed it better food than we are. Yes, man. Mic drop. So good. So good. And just a personal testimony. I will say I never started using, and I was supplementing now with organs. And and so it's a little bit different all through my pregnancy and then postpartum. I had postpartum depression with my first two. Like it was very difficult. That was like 10 years ago, but I really struggled. And this time around, you know, I'm obviously 10 years older. I'm what they call advanced maternal age, which I absolutely hate. (laughs) that whole terminology, (laughs) but here I am like, and I didn't, I didn't quite follow the, you know, what the mainstream, like what, what they're going to give you, you know, it it, like a traditional OB because I just didn't, my body just didn't feel right on it. I did organ, um, capsules every single day in my pregnancy and cod liver oil. And I will tell you what, I went back to work at six weeks, have three kids now, three dogs, like I have not experienced, and now I'm four months out and I have felt most like, like myself, more like myself than I ever have. I have not experienced, and listen, I've been tired. I'm still very tired, still very sleepy. <laughs> sure. And so there's, there, there are a lot of components, but I, I truly do believe that I've set myself up like I, and I had a very traumatic whole birth situation too, but I just feel really, really good. And the one thing that I did do differently was that I, I supplemented differently and I, yeah. you know, and I actually cooked and used some organ meats, um, you know, pre birth and then post pregnancy. So that's just my I, personal take, but I absolutely believe that that is why you didn't experience postpartum depression. Like you did previously. I absolutely believe that. Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe it. I hundred percent. Those were the only things I really stuck to my guns on and I didn't even take a prenatal uh, I, I tried like in the beginning and, and did okay with it. But then I was like, ah, I just don't, my body just, I, I just don't feel that great. So then I switched to organ capsules and it was like a kidney, heart, liver combo. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and I, you know, I did that and like, I have felt great. I haven't had any of my hair falling out like I did last time. Like 
it's truly unbelievable. Like I, yeah. I'm not just saying that, like I, from personal experience, I'm like, I have something to compare it against, you know, or compare it to with the previous pregnancies. And I'm like, there's a lot my body's up against with just not having a lot of sleep and breastfeeding and all these things, but to still feel so much better than how I did before. Like you said, you just don't know what you don't know. You don't know yeah. that you probably feel so much better. So give it a shot. Give it a shot. And, and, you know, and, and, and you're trusting your body, your body was telling you something. And I, I hold, that's another thing is, you know, gosh, this would be a whole other podcast, but you know, particularly women, women are brought up to question their, their own kind of intuition. And it's just such a shame because I, women are the most intuitive, most grounded, most like in, in, in touch with source than any gender. They're amazing. Women are, are the, to me, the gateway of, of health for every family because they know, they understand they have instincts. You know, you talk about mother's instincts, right? They, they have instincts. And so I, I say, listen to those. If you have them, just forget how you were raised. If someone condemned you for your instincts, like screw them, you have great instincts and just listen to them and ease into them and see how it feels. And you clearly did. And look at that. You feel better because your body knows your body is communicating to you all the time. And I want to add, so this is a little bit of a tangent, but you mentioned you have three dogs. So this is kind of cool, by the way, because a lot of people don't know this. So we've been talking about Pluck. So Pluck has four, four products. So there's three that are kind of like season, their seasonings. One is called All Purpose. One is called Spicy. And one is Zesty Garlic. The Zesty Garlic has no nightshades and no seeds. So we call that AIP as well. But they're all unique flavors. They're really delicious. Highly recommend trying all of them. But the fourth one we have is called pure and pure is only the organ meat. So there's no salt and there's no spices and herbs. It's really a great product for people that want to get maximum nutrition, but aren't as concerned about the flavor. And so you can add it to things that already have flavor, like a smoothie. Um, you can add it to ground meat. Like we were talking about earlier about like, you know, mixing organ meats into the ground meat where you could just take pluck pure and add a, you know, a teaspoon or two teaspoons and then mix it in and you're getting the same effect. Um, you can add it to spaghetti sauce, but here's the other thing you can add it to is you can add it to your pet's food mm, because wow. it has no salt, no spices, and herbs. And so you, I recently heard someone who told me that their dog previously only nibbled on their food, barely ate, and then they started sprinkling pure pluck on it just a little bit. And their dog now eats everything right away. You made me think of this. You know, you were talking about how uh, you didn't stick with a prenatal and you ate the organ meats. You know, back in the day, they didn't obviously have prenatals, you know, back in Paleolithic times, right? So what they would do is they would slaughter an animal. And typically what happened, at least that they found, is they would give those organs like the liver to the women that were pregnant. They knew the people that needed those organs the most, and they would partition them out to the people that needed them the most. And absolutely, it was always like people that were, you know, in, in during that time of month, they were getting the organs because you're losing so much blood. So it's like it's it's you're replenishing that as well. You're replenishing the iron and replenishing, replenishing all the nutrients. But then also if you were pregnant. Absolutely. And if you start really to split hairs and you want to talk about nutrients too, like you'll see, you know, especially in the case of iron, like organ meats are rich in vitamin A and so many yeah. people are deficient in vitamin A and it's incredibly important for iron regulation, iron recycling systems. 
has an application with uh, vitamin D. And so, you know, we talk about, oh, everybody's vitamin D deficient. Well, vitamin D is a hormone. I mean, again, another conversation to, to be had, but again, getting, getting all of the nutrients together where they can support one another for absorption, for utilization, like that's the important part as opposed to, well, I'm just going to take 5,000 IUs of vitamin D, you know, but I still don't see my, my lab work or my blood markers when I, when I do a blood panel show any, you know, movement in, in vitamin D. So anyway, that's just a whole other conversation, but totally you, you bring up one line. We just, I know we could probably talk forever. I know that, um, (laughs) But you bring up this last point I just want to make is like, so the vitamin A and vitamin D. Um, so Sally Fallon of the Weston A. Price Foundation, she recommends this. So when you are cooking uh, beef liver, let's say if you, you know, you're making liver and onions, you're making a pate is to use lard and lard is the fat from the pig. The reason why is because lard is high in vitamin D and it will help with the absorption of the vitamin A. They, they support each other. So doing the two together actually works really well. So That's just, a, just a little tip if you are, if you are cooking um, beef livers or chicken livers in either one. Yeah, th- this is great. I'm sure there are so many, you know, tips and, and hacks and things that you yeah. can recommend. <laughs> and honestly, on your website too, this is probably a good segue just for where people can access some of the resources that you have, because you've got a number of recipes. So, you know, Pluck has obviously the products that you've talked about, the different seasonings, but you also have a lot of you know, other things that you offer people in terms of resources for how to cook and how to, how to, you know, create, you even have like meal plans. There's all kinds of stuff. You're kind of like all over, you know, Pinterest and stuff like that. So I've just seen a lot of content that I think is really helpful for people to access this and to use it on a day-to-day basis in their house. So can you just give us, you know, where people can find you and, and what you have that may, may be able to help move the needle for somebody that wants to take, you know, that next step? Absolutely. So you can find us at eat pluck.com. As you mentioned, there's recipes on there. Um, we have uh, the different products, but m- most of all, just, just, just know that we're trying to make it less overwhelming. And so pluck already is, 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 you know, like the gateway is so easy, but the recipes you'll see, we show you common recipes, you know, like things, everyday things that you can do. Like, I think someone even made biscuits and they put pluck in it. I mean, it's just amazing how versatile these seasonings are. And I can't take credit for that. Like, I didn't know that you, you know, like when I was developing pluck, I have my palate, you know, and there's certain things like I would never put pluck on papaya, but yet I had a customer do it and they were like, it was delicious. There's certain things that other people are willing to do and and would think that I didn't. And they're all, we're getting the feedback, like, no, it really works on everything. We, we used to joke that, um, it went with everything except ice cream. And then someone said, Oh no, actually I put it on ice cream. And it was delicious. <laughs> so, Oh my word. I know, right. That's so funny. you just don't know. And so I really recommend that people truly take advantage of the nutrient density and the way that pluck is going to really work for you is if you're using it all the time, don't treat it like nutmeg where you pull it out once a year. Like, yes. like, you really want to be treating it like have it on the tabletop, use it every meal, every day, just sprinkle a little bit on the, on the, the plated food. And you will start to, to get that microdosing frequent use cumulative effect. And you will also be amazed at how versatile it is. It goes on everything from fish to oysters, to chicken, to vegetables, salads, dressings, sauces, you name it. And you should try it. You should pluck it. I should say that. You should pluck you it. it. I love you that. can pluck it. 
That's amazing. And then yeah, you can you find know. us on, I'm sorry, you can find us on oh, social media also at Eat Pluck. And, uh, and then you can find me personally at Chef James Berry. Chef James Berry. I, I love it so much. Yeah. Go to Target or wherever, you know, if you're more like, you know, fancy bougie, you could go to like William Sonoma or Crate Barrel or something, but get those little basins. Like they have these like little salt basins and I got a couple of them and then I'll put the different seasonings in them. And then anytime, I mean, even if we're like busy and we're just having dinner at the kitchen Island, always put them out and I'll put like some olive oil out, whatever it is, if it's rice, whatever, I mean, you add whatever seasoning you want, and then you add a little bit of olive oil if you want and adding a little bit of fat. And I'm telling you, it's, it's a game changer. My husband even said it the other day. He was like, I just feel like the food is the vehicle for all the seasonings. <laughs> because yeah. that's, that's what I love tasting. And, um, so, you know, do it, just, just do it. And I promise you, you'll be able to experience it on a different level and your, your food will be so much tastier. Well, depending on when this podcast comes out, um, this is kind of a, a, a dropping like news. Um, we're going to actually be selling spice sellers. So I can even showcase you one. They look like this. Oh, no way. How funny yeah. is that? Yeah. And they, they have pluck and they're yeah. going to have different colors. So it's going to be like on a tray and you'll have one that's yellow for the all purpose, one that's red for the spicy and one that's green for the zesty garlic. And um, they're, they're just really cute. They come with like little spoons and it's exactly what you're talking about. So we're going to have these available uh, starting, I think, at December 1st. Y'all, I, did, I swear I did not even know about that. So don't go to Target. Don't go to Williams Sonoma. I'm 100% doing that because I, I feel like it's just always out. I'm like, I've like done even putting it up because we use them for like all of our meals, like eggs, like do eggs yeah. in the morning. I just, I love it. Okay. So that was amazing that you, yeah. that that's like, you just had that on hand. So yeah, well, I'm pretty sure when this episode airs, those will probably be available. I just love what you're doing. I love that you're teaching us. We're all learning so much and we're better for it. So, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. James, your work is incredible. We're a fan. We stand behind you and, uh, and we're just so grateful to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And as I started the whole podcast saying, I am also a fan and, and I'm so grateful for all the work you're doing. It's, it's just great synergy. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You know what? We're all doing it together. And so when we find like-minded people, especially when they have a business and, you know, having a small business, like we're, I just, I just love supporting people that their heart is in it. And like that we're just aligned in that mission to just help people find the tools, find the things that really help them improve their health and really allow them to experience healing. And I think you're doing just that. Thank you. Thanks guys. We'll see you on the next episode.